and thanks for clicking play and listening to my podcast, Growing Up With Aaron. And I am obviously Aaron, because I just said this was my podcast, didn't I? Ha, 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 ha. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so this is a very special episode that I am very happy to be sharing with you all. Uh, it is the first of my series of guests uh, and that have helped me to grow up, helped me learn different parts that of things that skills, whatever you want to call them, uh, that have helped me to put into the works of what I do in life for performing, work, just getting through what every little daily interaction. And my friend Brian Matusek, who is my guest in this episode, is one of those people who really sticks out in so many ways of the skills that he taught me uh, were are just things that I've been able to bring into different areas outside of the theater. But, however, because we mentioned theater and because I met him through theater, this conversation will be focused on both of our experiences in the theater, mostly his, obviously his, because this is about him. Uh, I really wanted to get to know a little bit more about where he got started, how it got, how he got going into the theater, because it's a fascinating story for every single person who gets involved, how they get that theater bug, that first drive to the stage, to where they become later on as a producer, a writer, a director, all of the above, an actor. Forgot to mention that one, didn't I? Um, so, and Brian has done it all and continues to do it all. So he, and he's just giving opportunities to so many more actors, performers, writers, directors. I could go on, but I should let him speak for himself, obviously. And I will. So, big thing to know is that one of the reasons that I wanted to bring him on here, obviously, is theater is a big part of my life. So I figured the best thing to do is have some guests that are involved in helping me grow in the theater. So, let's start by sharing some of the stories of Brian Matusak. Mr. Brian Matusak, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? You know, I'm not too bad. I'm <laughs> feeling feeling a little weird because it's kind of storming over here. I'm oh. I think I'm uh, between you and Lisa, I'm probably the furthest away. So it's probably coming towards you after Uh-oh. me. Because you guys are over in the twin ports. Yep. Right? My computer says it says 67 degrees rain coming. So it's mm-hmm. predicting. <laughs> it's above me right now. I can hear the light and the thunder. Yeah, Excellent. So, so, Brian, I, you know, I asked you to come on to the podcast to talk to you a little bit because the theme of my show is all about growing up and what I've learned thus far, how I'm still putting that into where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've known that since I've known you, uh, you know, a decade now at least, um, is that I've learned, I picked up a lot from you, whether you've intentionally taught me or <laughs> just paid attention to how you do things. And um, that I never knew I wanted to like produce or uh, like create my own type of theater until I saw how you were able to just do it without even like thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I know that like you probably tell me like it's not like a natural thing, but you make it look so effortless. That's what I find fascinating about you. Well, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely trial and error. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So before we get into all that, though, I just want to like let the listeners know a little bit about who you are and where where you started off before we got to where you are today. Sure. Uh, Well, I don't know how far back you want to go, but... uh, (laughs) As far back Um, as you want to take that delivery. (laughs) Well, um, I grew up in a little tiny town called Saginaw. I don't know if a lot of people know where that is, Saginaw, Minnesota. Basically, um, right next to some railroad tracks, my folks had a little country store, and it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed that, um, that childhood. There wasn't uh, a lot of arts, though. A little tiny high school, Elbrook High School is where I graduated from in 1981. So do the math. That's how old I am. Um, And uh, yeah, the community there, great supportive community, but mostly focused on sports, high school sports, football, Friday night football and and, uh, basketball in the winter and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I was a part of that as well. I enjoyed it. But my brothers, my younger brothers, were much more athletically inclined than I was. Sure, um, sure. So, um, you know, they they enjoyed it more. <laughs> yeah. But um, all we really had in, in the high school um, was a speech program, high school speech program. And that's really where I started to just find that I really enjoyed being in front of a group of people and basically making them laugh. My category was humorous. And um, I'll never forget one of the very first times um, I was in speech. I don't remember which grade it was, but um, I was doing this piece, um, and it was the, the meet was at Saint Scholastica, and there was a nun who was a judge, um, and, but she wrote this comment uh, on my sheet that said, "You seem so natural up there," and I just thought that was really interesting because it certainly didn't feel natural. I was scared, sweating, nervous, you know all that sort of thing. Um, but I did find, as I said, uh, you know, making people laugh in the speech, I started to find out what a drug that is because you, I want you to laugh here, I deliver the line and you laugh there. You know, the being able to control people that way was kind of addicting, uh, but also obviously enjoyed making people laugh. And so, you know, that and coupled with that nun's comments made me start to think about, well, you know, maybe people don't mind watching me and listening to me. Maybe it, it's something that's entertaining. Anyway, I just started to think a little bit more about that. And as I said, that was really the only artistic outlet we had at Elbrook High School. You know, we had plays, but they weren't really, you know, plays in the, the sense of theatrical plays. They were these little, um, and you know, not to belittle them, because it certainly was still fun to be up. I was in front of a group of people. I was talking loud enough to be heard. All of these are very basic rules of theater that you need to follow. So I learned that anyway. But, you know, they were, you know, they had titles like Aaron Slick from Pumpkin Crick and things like that. You know, it was very broad, uh, very silly. Um, it was an English high school teacher, uh, Mr. Hull, you know, bless his soul. And just basically, like I said, sat way in the back of the gym and said, I can't hear you. And that was all the direction you got. Um but I just enjoyed that so much. I enjoyed speech so much, and I was having a little bit of success with it. You know, my brothers had athletic success, and I had some success with speech. So um, I decided when the time came to graduate, I wanted to uh, continue that. Um, and so 
but I didn't want to move too far away. So I went to the University of Minnesota Duluth UMD to be a theater major. Who major in that? Wow, I didn't know about that uh, because I didn't, again, wasn't really exposed to any of that in high school. Um, so, and um, real quick, I went to UMD and I was only there one year and that's all it took. I just was a, <laughs> I just didn't really connect with their theater program and it was more on me than it was on them. Um, it's totally different now. I always, when I tell people this story, it's totally different. Uh, the faculty's turned over. There's nobody there anymore who was there when I was there. But it just was very, um, uh, very hands off when you were a freshman and you were new. It was all classroom. They stuck you in the classroom right away. You couldn't even sniff the stage. It was all listen to these lectures, you know, take these tests. And, and then maybe next year you can audition for some stuff. And so I've always found um, and still do that I learn uh, the best way by doing. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about producing theater. I learned by actually just producing theater. And then this went wrong and this went right. And so you just obviously continue to do the things that went right. And that's pretty much how I learn everything. I just have to do it, make mistakes and learn and grow from it. So I wasn't really feeling a big connection to the program there because I was just sitting in classes and not being able to do anything. You know, there were acting scenes and those were a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. And I was starting to learn a little bit doing that, but um, not really able to jump in with both feet. So um, that only lasted a year. And then I decided, you know, I, I don't think theater is for me. And so I dropped out. Bounced around for a couple of years here in Duluth. I did some, um, uh, I auditioned for some plays, you know, because I knew I still wanted to do it. I just couldn't figure out how to do it, you know. Uh, I knew it was there, but it wasn't there for me yet. And so, um, you know, I would audition for plays at the Duluth Playhouse, things like that, and, you know, I just wouldn't get cast. Um, and then finally in 1984, so just a few years out of high school, I was cast in a production of Neil Simon's Fools. And um, Good play. yeah, it's a fantastic play. It's so funny. And it was a great opportunity for me as well, because um, for that particular play, the director at the time um, had cast a whole uh, cast a whole bunch of Duluth Playhouse veterans. So, you know, older actors, mature actors who had been on the stage at the Playhouse and supported local theater. But they knew what they were doing. You know, they knew how to get a laugh out of an audience. Um, you know, it, it was fantastic. And then there was a few of us that were brand new to theater. So it was a great mix of, of old and new. Uh, but I met some of the most fantastic people um, doing Fools and just learned to shut up and watch and listen. And that some of those instances, it made sense to shut up and listen and watch. Um, and if, you know, folks in the Duluth Superior area would recognize, you know, some of the names you know, Bob and Selma Goldish, wonderful uh, folks who are no longer with us, but they were fantastic. Uh, Jimmy and Mickey Glazeman, also an older couple. And it was just fun to, 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 to meet these folks just and, and, and become friends with them off stage as well as act with them and learn through, through them on stage. But Jimmy and Mickey, I'll never forget. I grew up, like I said, out in the wilds of Saginaw, Minnesota. <laughs> and so Jimmy and Mickey were um, uh, uh, Jewish. And I, I had never met a Jewish person before, you know. And so I learned, that, you know, they loved sharing the customs with me, um, all about talking about their faith. And it was just really interesting to me. And so, I don't know, it was, it's kind of hard to explain, I guess. But, I mean, I just love those people. Right. And so um, doing that play, um, I, was, I, I met another um, uh, person in the play, a young man. His name was Jim Gallagher. Young man, he's not young anymore. He's like me. We were young then. Jim Gallagher, who was um, uh, 
at the time doing a play across the bridge at UWS, the University of Wisconsin Superior. And so we talked a little bit and he said, you should come over here and check out the theater program. Cause I had said, you know, I'd gone to UMD and it didn't really take. And so I went over there and that was actually the beginning of everything wonderful in my life. Um, and UWS theater was fantastic. Everything about the program uh, was designed to get you on stage immediately. Part of it was because they didn't have a big student base to draw on, but that was fine. That worked for me. You know, everybody had a chance. They had student-directed plays. Um, the theater department was intertwined with the communication department. So they, uh, television directing students were always directing scenes. They needed actors for that. Um, the mentor, uh, uh, the teachers at the time, um, John Mansell, uh, became a mentor to me. John, I really responded to the way that John directed and directed actors. I'll never forget. And because I had very zero, uh, very little experience uh, in acting, again, I thought acting was supposed to be as far away from who you really are uh, as possible. That's just what I thought it was. You were supposed to just um, disappear into a role and become somebody. Uh, totally different. So I would bring these really weird, obscure monologues to his class. And I remember, I uh, think it was, um, uh, I did this uh, speech from American Buffalo, this David Mamet play. It's profanity laced, it's high energy. Um, it was everything that I was not at the time. <laughs> but I thought, that's, I'm supposed to do that, that's acting. So I performed this monologue badly, of course, and sat down. And there was a really long, uncomfortable pause while John just sort of nodded his head and took him but he just saw and he turned around and looked at me and he said you act like you have a stick up your ass and i said <laughs> okay yeah what an interesting and note he said, <laughs> <laughs> he said, i said i'm gonna have to take you to the beer bar we had a beer bar on campus which was another thing that gone away but was fantastic a beer bar on campus i'm gonna I have to take know. you to the beer bar uh, and get you drunk and figure out who the hell you are. Um, and I nice. was okay. Yeah, I guess you'll have to do that, Mr. Munsell. Uh, but it was like great homework because, assignment, right? <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yes, let's do it. Um, and then we probably did. We probably canceled class, and everybody went down to the beer bar. But his point being there was that he did get to know me. I got to know him. But um, but he taught me to embrace those things that are inside of you. Find out what there's some sort of connection that you can find to a character in a play right. and it starts with you and then once you find those familiar um, elements emotions actions whatever then you can start to grow and imagine and you know become this imaginary person uh, but you're reacting to things um with real life emotions and it's kind of hard to explain but it was for me it was fantastic it was my way in now uh, things started to click for me um, uh, you know, and uh, so um, I, I found my way into theater, basically, and the joy of theater and the magic of theater and how wonderful it is to create theater. I found all of that at UWS with John Munsell. Uh, some of my closest friends were in the theater program at the time. I met my wife, uh, the person who I have uh, fell in love with and have been with ever since at UWS. You know, everything, like I said, everything good. <laughs> I can trace directly back to UWS, and I guess if you want to go even further, to Jim Gallagher. So thanks, Jim Gallagher. But um, so anyway, so then, and then just things started to snowball from there just real quick. You know, I don't 
mean to ramble, but just oh, real quick, while I was at UWS and figuring things out and things were going really well, um, I got involved with a, uh, a, a troupe and a comedy troupe in Duluth called Colder by the Lake. They were looking for somebody and I had a connection. Somebody at UWS uh, was involved with their group and couldn't do a show, but recommended me. And uh, if you don't know Colder, they're a sketch comedy troupe. They were very they did like the, didn't they do like the Phantom of the North Shore and stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They've done, they were the first um, sketch comedy troupe in Duluth, you know, mm-hmm. to do reviews and they would do end of the year reviews. And Christmas. Yeah. Shows. Lay uncomfortable. Yeah. All yep. the, I remember hearing a lot about them. Yep. They were very influential. I loved Colder by the Lake. So to be asked to be a part of them was fantastic. And again, early on with Colder, you just sat and watched these talented people because <laughs> they had their own process and I was a newcomer. So I watched, I learned, I learned everything I know about comedy from Colder, you know, um, how to write sketch comedy, how to perform it, how to direct it. All of that I was able to do at Colder by the Lake. And so that was a big learning experience for me. Um, And then starting to get cast in more shows at the Duluth Playhouse, doing shows at UWS. So all of it was just really coming together for me, like I said. Um, Eventually, um, uh, Colder by the Lake and I sort of parted ways um, and mostly it was because of my immaturity at the time, very young maverick. I'm going to do theater. I'm going to take, now that I know how to do it, I'm going to take this town by storm. And <laughs> they had always done a year end Christmas show and I loved them. And so finally I was going to get to direct one. I was promised that I could direct one. So I started to work on it and then they said, no, nah, we don't want to do it. And so I've, I felt like, well, I put in all this time and effort. I still want to do a Christmas show. So what I did was um, got a few of my other friends who wanted to do it as well, some from Colder and some I knew outside of Colder. And so we started, basically, we said, you know what, let's just call ourselves a different thing. We'll do the show and we'll be done with it. So we called ourselves Renegade Comedy Theater. It was a name that we came up with. Um, we did the show. It went great because audiences, Duluth audiences really loved the reviews, which was why I couldn't understand why Colder didn't want to do them anymore. Yeah. Well, now I kind of know. I mean, you want to move on. They were, they'd been doing it for so long, they wanted to do some other stuff. But I was new to the format, so I wanted to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, we just said it'll be, one, it'll be a one-off. You know, we'll do our Christmas show, we're renegade, hey, and then we'll go back to, to doing other stuff. Well, what ended up happening from there, and Aaron, I, again, I don't mean to ramble on. If you, 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 know, oh, no, no, you want to go back or whatever, it wasn't I'll, just keep, <laughs> I'll just keep on or rolling. Um, what we ended up... Uh, Folks in that group, like Don Hansen, some a name that folks might recognize, and some other folks, we just said, you know what, that was a lot of fun <laughs> doing that, doing what we wanted to do, and not having to, you know, worry about calling it something else or answering to somebody else. And so we got a little taste of freedom there. So then Don and I were talking, and some of the other folks were like, you know what else I'd really like to do? You know, uh, outdoor melodramas was just something that Don was familiar with doing you know, uh, uh, Dudley Do-Right's, you know, Snidely Whiplash, and actually very similar to Aaron Crick from Pumpkin Crick, Aaron Slick from Pumpkin Crick. <laughs> uh, after I thought about it, I went, that's right, it is similar to that. But it, 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 so there you go. So that came in handy. But anyway, so we, we wanted to do that. I had always wanted to do Christopher Durang, which is a, a comedy, but it's more, if you're familiar with black comedy, you know, it's, it's, it's tackling subjects in a humorous way. Christopher Durang is known for this that aren't necessarily immediately thought of as funny. Mm-hmm. 
real quick, I just want to bring in uh, Lisa a little bit, just because I know in oh, some ways, hello. I don't know how in depth of conversation of theater she um, she can really understand, because I know actually her, your first time really acting, Lisa, was it recently with Rubber Chicken? Yes, it was with, yeah, other than, yeah. you know, my 20 years ago and junior high and high school well, it was more than 20 but who's coming um, speaking of the junior high and high school i wanted to touch on you were from you brian you say you're from saginaw i grew up in reamer where of course oh, yeah. was also sports i was the only guy doing what little theater we did do there mm-hmm. and most of it was comedy sketch so i got used to doing like yeah. review and like sketch stuff so i really like where you go with that but i wanted to get back with lisa here and just kind of Lisa, do you have any, like, take on any of this? Well, yeah. I mean, I did take a theater class when I was living in Shakopee. Um, Ooh. Yeah, it was actually, it was really, it was really interesting. It was a lot of fun. Um, I tried to do speech in high school, but I wasn't ready for the commitment. I didn't realize how much work it was. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which is a bummer, because now looking back, I think that I would have, I would have really enjoyed it. If I knew then what I know now, <laughs> you know, speech was, was a blast. I thought, yeah. yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just, it's, you know, I really like hearing your story. I've never, you know, I didn't really get to, I mean, the most we talked about was, you know, about the, the one act and then about COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> if, oh, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, cause I mean, pretty much everybody got COVID. <laughs> It's that was the worst. I was I felt <laughs> your so fault, bad. Aaron. It's your I know, fault. I get those emails that seem like a new one came in every half an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, felt, no. Oh, I felt like the worst because it was. I stayed at Lisa's that mm-hmm. night right after we performed, and the next morning I was just feeling so crappy, and um, I thought I was the day before during while we were performing and all that stuff, I was just chalking it up to exhaustion and like yeah. dehydration, blah, blah, blah. Same. And, uh, you know, as theater people do. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I I don't generally speak for 12 hours a day. That was a new thing for me. <laughs> and I big... honestly, I was so excited to find that my brain isn't as mushy as I thought it was yeah. <laughs> that I was able That's... to remember all of that mm-hmm. stuff in mm-hmm. such a short period of time and just have so much fun with it. I would love to do more theater. It was so, so much fun. Oh my God. And I bet you, I bet you once there's a new venue to be had, I bet Brian will have something in the works, but Wait, before so- maybe we should talk a little bit about what this is because Brian introduced this whole thing we're going to talk about to me. Mm-hmm. And I have been in love with this style of theater mm-hmm. since. And so if we can just talk about yeah. when you started doing it, like, you know, cause I'm going to say Lisa and I had an introduction to it many years prior to my involvement with you and then mm-hmm. her involvement. Right. And that was when you guys were still performing at the 404 building. Yeah. 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 Was, yep. It was uh, time, time back to Renegade. The reason we got Renegade started being able to do what we wanted to do. Yeah. That's one of the fun things I've found over the years is if I hear about a project or I read about it or, you know, I see it or I just get an, uh, an idea <laughs> and it sounds fun, I'll, I'll pursue it. And this was one of them. It was, uh, I forget what it was called. There's this sort of a play. It's, it's called a, this format. We basically, we get eight writers, eight directors, whole bunch of actors, and we create eight 
original one act plays in 24 hours from the writing to the rehearsing to the performance it's all in one day and i i had first heard about this uh in milwaukee some friends i think they called it combat theater but this format this type of uh experience theater companies around the the country do it and they call it different things and they all put their little unique twists on it you know and and so that's what i did but i went down to see it in milwaukee and one thing i noticed right away was that uh, and I never confirmed if, if this was true or not, but it seemed to me like the prompts, you, you, the writers, I should say, take a step back for a second. The writers, we come forward Friday night and I have three hats set up on a table, a who, a what, and a where. And uh, over social media, we take prompts. That's how we do it now. The social media that all the kids are using. Um, <laughs> and we get a bunch of suggestions for who's. And who's can be anything. It could be a person. It could be an occupation. You could get... Uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon, you could get a garbage man, you know, whatever. Um, uh, what's, you know, an object, uh, uh, um, a cell phone, you know, a blanket, whatever. And a where? Uh, proctor. Uh, uh, in the basement. Uh, whatever. Anyway, so you, they, they, they draw these random prompts and then they have to incorporate them into their plays. And when I went to see this down in Milwaukee, I noticed the plays were fantastic. They were intricate and detailed and just marvelously tightly constructed 10 minute plays and the prompts were like basically tossed in at the end they were really not worked in at all so i thought i'm pretty sure these eight writers had these scripts done already you know in their back pocket <laughs> yeah so i made sure that when we started it with renegade we called it out of the hat plays <coughs> excuse me the first first time we did it and it was in 03 so next year is going to be the 20th anniversary of doing this type of, of theater so it's going to oh be a big going to be a big to do next year so take a look for that um but i made sure that the right and then the other thing i heard about combat was the writers were pretty much out of it actually after they submitted their scripts they were done and the actors and the directors didn't want to hear from them anymore because they wanted to create it and make it their piece well i didn't think that that didn't sit right either i thought the writers should be part of it so anyway the way we do it is that the writers show up with their scripts <coughs> excuse me and um they have to sit there for the first read through saturday morning the writers start friday night like i said and they have to and then they randomly draw their cast out of a hat you know i have cast makeup men and women and they draw the, out of the hats and the directors step forward they'll draw the writer's name okay i'm doing um um john smith script and i need two men and they'll draw two you know names yep. out of that hat then i have the cast the director and the writer go off and they do a, one read through and that's so that the writer can kind of explain what they were thinking, um, make themselves available uh, during the day if they want. You know, they let the director know how to get a hold of them if questions come up. Or sometimes writers just say, it's yours now, and I'm done with it. And that's okay, too. But I just wanted the writers to make sure they, they felt they were a part of it. Um, so anyway, that's basically how it works. And then all during the day, as you both know, you rehearse, mm -hmm. you find your props, you find your costumes, you memorize, um, you get one, you get one run through on the stage to figure out exits and uh, entrances and light cues and stuff and then everybody comes together at five o'clock that's your tech run we do all eight plays then um that's everybody's chance to see everybody else's plays and then we do it for real at seven and yeah they're they're so much fun and what i found over the years lisa you had mentioned that you didn't think you could do it that's the best feeling for me i think watching actors get done with their plays looking like did it you know and that's yes. the coolest <laughs> it's the coolest to see and i'm sure it's the coolest to feel yeah you know, you're yeah. able to get through it and 
you know, if something went wrong, still being able to stick with the play and and find your way through to where you need to find your way through. It's a, such a sen- sense of accomplishment, I think, for everybody involved. And I just think more often than not, over doing it for 20 years, almost 20 years now, um, the people just want to keep back and come back and do it again and again. There's very few people that have said, once is enough. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's like a drug, you know, it's like you could do it and you get that feedback. And the audiences are the most supportive audience you'll ever be in front of when you do these hat plays because they know the pressure that you were under as you were right. doing, you know, yeah. so as long totally. as you don't just quit and walk off stage and, you know, get your work your way through it, they'll be with you all the way. And clap I've and seen, clap. yeah, I've seen so many of my friends on that stage doing these shows that break character, they mess up the whole thing and it can, but they stay on their commit to whatever happens mm-hmm. and then they get back on track and they get through it. And as long as it happens, the audience is having just as much fun. Yep. And a lot of times they don't know what went wrong. Maybe that's supposed to happen. They don't know as long as mm-hmm. as long as you're you know getting through it. And yeah, so that's what the the hat plays are. We called them out of the hat then. Now we call them the chicken hat plays because the new theater company I have is Rubber Chicken Theater. So yep. we kept that format, but uh, it's the uh, same sort of thing. And we've done some different things over the years. Like we'll throw in a common uh, a cameo, cameo, somebody you know more high profile in the area, like a local t- television celebrity or something. We'll come down. And that's been a lot of fun to add that. They'll be they'll have a little tiny part. You know, Dan Hanger from Fox News has oh, done. Dan Hanger was a fun one. Dan was fun. Darren Danielson from Channel Ten has done it. Don Ness, former mayor of Duluth, did it once. You know, wow. and Barbara Riles from Channel Six. Um, and and they have a lot of fun. And so, you know, it, the writers just give them a little tiny part and then they appear in all eight plays. And oh, yeah. so that's been a lot of fun. Or we'll have common yeah. opening lines or closing lines. Sometimes the writers all have to use the same opening line or whatever. There's been a lot of different ways we do it, but yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. So next year's the twentieth anniversary of doing so them. much fun. Oh. I will gotta be there. Gotta find a pretty <laughs> awesome <laughs> venue for yep. that. We we are looking and uh and stay tuned. All right. Yes. That's awesome. I'm excited. So we'll hopefully we'll keep the listeners on this for yeah, pretty yeah, 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 form yeah. too. Because I'm sure Lisa and I'll both be there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Always see it on Rubber Chicken Theater's website too, rubberchickentheater.com, or we have a Facebook page, Twitter, all and that. I will put all those links um, in this episode information. Okay. All of the sure. social medias. Yeah. All of them. Um, so uh, we talked about how you got into the producing, how you, uh, uh, how you, I, you know, the skills you kind of picked up, like you said, you kind of just taught yourself. Yep. Whether it was if you went to UMD and then switched to UWS, you learned, you know, the book smarts of it, if you would. But you also just have to piece the rest of it together. Mm-hmm. So for someone else who is doing that kind of thing, like myself and others, what kind of advice would you give? I would say don't be afraid to fail. I mean, because <laughs> I certainly have. Um, over the years, you know, the hat plays are, again, another good example because it's pretty much for me like clockwork now at food, believe it or not, that wasn't a part of it. And then you're like, well, of course you have to feed the actors. Oh, well, yeah, I guess that never occurred to me, you know, things like that. And um, uh, so if there's something you're passionate about, you know, don't just blindly enter into it, find somebody maybe who's done it or has similar passions, ask questions, learn from that, but then just do it. Um, Another thing, um, we, we, we do it. We, we, we aren't doing them anymore, but we used to do what are called live reads of yes. famous movie scripts. 
and I learned I learned about how to do those. It was an idea. A theater company out in Los Angeles I had read about doing this, where they took the Princess Bride, and they got a whole bunch of famous actors who weren't actually a part of the movie, but they just read the script. And it sounds like it would be super boring. I'm watching people read a script, but it's actually right. really, really entertaining, especially if you do a good script like Princess Bride. I saw Bride. when you guys did Wrath of Khan. We did <sighs> Wrath of Khan was our first one, and that was so much fun. And, oh, I um, but I learned you know what worked doing those what didn't work and what i learned after this last time i don't remember i mean i don't know if you saw what happened to us in april we were supposed to do fargo yeah and the way that i work these have always worked these is again something i learned from john mancell at uws when he um when we did student directed plays when we directed a one act he always he, he didn't want us to pay royalties because we were students and it was like a one-night deal but he still wanted us to obviously you know you have to apply for the rights you have to be legal you have to do everything right. above board so we would write to the publisher and we would say we're a student this is a student director one act we would like to be able to do it with all royalties and blah 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 and more often than not they wouldn't even write back but john would say you did all you had to, you know you reached out to them if they don't get back to you you know no news is good well. news basically yep so that's i went under that assumption with the movie scripts I've been doing those, for, I guess we did them for 10 years. 2012, Rathacon was the first one. But I would always find out which movie studio owned the rights. I would reach out to them via email. And more often than not, never heard back. Um, yeah. So we did it. Only one time in all the years of doing it, um, <clears throat> had somebody gotten back to me and said no. And that was for League of Their Own. Okay. I believe that mm -hmm. was uh, Columbia, I think, was the studio at the time. And they just said, no, you can't do it. And I said, okay, okay, that's fine. We'll do a different one um ghostbusters we did actually hear back and that's a whole nother interesting story there for ghostbusters um she's the lady was very friendly she called me up and she said no you can't do it and so since she called and we were she was very friendly uh i had a little conversation with her i said well why not <laughs> and she said, well <laughs> ghostbusters actually was a kind of script where not only did the studio have to sign off but all the stars did just just the sure. deals we had. so i would have had to get oh. bill murray's permission dan Aykroyd's permission Harold Ramis's permission, who was alive at the time, and think yeah. all of that in addition to the studio. And she basically said, they're going to say no. So <laughs> you'll be wasting your time. <laughs> Good luck. So I said, okay, well, you know, I appreciate that. But then at the end of the conversation, she's on the phone, she said to me, <clears throat> you know, if you had never asked me or told me about this project, how would I know it was even going to happen? Ooh, that <laughs> and then there was a big long pause, and then she said, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, so I like that." Like I she said, didn't tell you that, but okay, she did yeah. not tell you that. <laughs> if you read the transcript of that conversation, she did everything she was supposed to do legally. Yeah. But it was the tone of voice and the inflection and the use of pause that I got the message: just do it. <laughs> so like legally, did. she's saying that she one, asked you, but she's one. not the a hole here. That's right. Punctuation so is everything. <laughs> yeah. So Don't anyway, what happened? What happened last April? And I should have guessed that this was going to happen because Fargo has a local Minnesota connection. I never heard, never heard. So I started the train, you know, down the track, and we were a week away from doing the live read, and I got my first official cease and desist letter from a Hollywood studio. It was very impressive. It was wow. like fifteen pages long, uh, full of legalese. I was going to be sued into oblivion and all this stuff. And I just, I emailed them back right away and I said, I'll, I won't do it. And that's fine. I mean, that, it's your property. I admit that. I'm not yeah. going to, 
that's why I told them. That's why I asked for permission like two months ago. So mm-hmm. it would have been good to get this letter then, but yes, whatever. So anyway, I got to thinking after that, and I just figured, you know, that's actually something that could have happened at any time over the last 10 years. And I've probably just been really lucky. So mm-hmm. we probably won't be doing the live reads anymore, but that's fine. We got 10 years of doing it. Quit while so you're ahead. Get out there and do it. That's <laughs> the biggest thing I can say. I have personally been inspired to want to do those live reads that you do. I've wanted to produce them up here in Grand Rapids. Um, I know actors that would have fun doing that. But, you know, one, since this most recent, I remember your Facebook post about it. First, I was like, oh, he's joking. He is joking. (laughs) We've had these conversations. He said that never happens. And it actually happened. I was like, oh, he jinxed himself hard. (laughs) And it could. That's why you add. But I will. I mean, you know, if people just want to try and do it, not even ask. Right. But I wouldn't recommend it because, well, first yeah. of all, I don't think that's right. I think you, they do own the rights. Somebody yep. else created the, the script. So I think you yep. should ask for permission. I think um, that's why I've always, whenever I've thought of a new project I want to do, I've always been like, I'm going to ask Brian. He will know the answer to this. <laughs> and usually well, like, this is how I do it. Yep. That's nice to be able to provide that guidance. I love that. I'm, yeah. You know. And I always appreciate knowing you for those questions. Mm-hmm. So thank you for always being there for those. You betcha. Um, Lisa, you got any questions for Brian? Anything you want to share? Um, how dare you put <laughs> I know, me I like on, the put on the spot? But like, he's like, you're just, actually letting you're her just have my sidekick. You're just my my co-host, my sidekick, my producer. <laughs> you just get to sit there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I, I never have anything to ask when it's, you know, time to ask questions. <laughs> I mean, would you say that it's ever too late to start? Oh, absolutely not. No. Um, I've got, you know, we've got folks that are involved in, you know, they're involved in community theater, you know, more mature folks just jump in and do it or young, young and old. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I think the joy of creating something for me it, 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 it is there for anyone. And I think that's kind of the neat thing about theater. I think the live theater, when you actually sit and think about it, it's an art form that's, you know, it's obviously unique, but it's different from paintings or even television or movies or whatever, because it has to be live in front of an audience. And mm-hmm. there's that connection. You need the audience for it to be theater. Otherwise it's just rehearsal. <laughs> and for the audience, it's live. It's happening right there in front of you. And that's part of, you know, that's ramped up to a hundred times with the, with the hat plays, but you know, yeah. anything can happen. And when something magical happens, it's cool to be a part of that. And so anybody should be able to partake in that. And it's actually an art form too, that, you know, some of the ways to do it have changed, you know, acting styles have changed over the years, but still it's an art form that's been around for, you know, centuries. Yeah. And to be able to, you know, to be able to take part in Macbeth, for example, I can say that because I'm not in a theater. A few years That's ago, I, it was one of the my dream roles I did. My friend of mine, Shani Nineman, has wise school. She said, you should do Macbeth. And I said, yeah, I should do Macbeth because I'm a silly, goofy, loud guy. Um, but she saw something there. And actually, it was so much fun to dive in. The challenge of doing that was so fun um, every night. But um, it, it, it was as we were rehearsing and working on it, I was starting to think, you know, a lot of these things that we're talking about and diving into and exploring were the same things the actors that did it for Shakespeare 
you know, dived into and explored and tried to bring out, you know. And so it's kind of neat to be a part of that long history. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, it's one of the things that I think is really neat about about theater. And anybody should be able to do that. And anybody can do that. It doesn't matter at what point of life you're in. I also I want to say something, too, that popped in my head. And I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this. It's right. been really fun and exciting and cool now to watch uh, my daughter. Like, yeah, I wanted to ask about Kaylee. It started with speech. Yeah, she's Kaylee, Kaylee Matuzak. She's fantastic. Look her up, KayleeMatuzak.com. She performs. She writes and sings and performs around town, town as a musician. But in high school, she um, liked speech. And it was just fun because I had such a connection to speech in high school to watch her, you know, just do a fantastic job with it. She went to state a couple times. I mean, she was way better than I was. Cool. She had a lot more success than I did, which was really cool. And anyway, and so she started to, having grown up around theater and seeing it produced and performed, she actually, you know, wanted to do it when she had a chance to do it. So her first experience on stage was a long time ago in the Out of the Hat plays. She was our common cameo once. So the writers <laughs> wrote little parts, and I don't know, she was 12 maybe at the time. So, you know, she was great, and she's such a, a hand bone. She loved being on the stage. But her senior year in high school, she got the lead in Once Upon a Mattress, and she got the, the, the Carol Burnett part. Right, your friend. Yeah. Familiar with that? It's the funny part. It's mm -hmm. the loud part. It's the singing <laughs> part. It's, you know, and Such she just—it was so um, amazing to sit in the audience and watch her have this razor sharp comedic timing. You know, to be unafraid on stage to do spit takes like a pro. You know, it just did my heart a world of good. And so um, it's been kind of fun to see now, to work with her now. We do, um, Rubber Chicken does, uh, we still do the end of the year, you know, holiday sketch comedy reviews, because again, it's where I started in mm -hmm. local theater. And I really, really love that. And, and Lisa, so he now always has the most gonna... interesting, unique, funny names for these. <laughs> somehow. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out this year. Yeah, this year. Um, but it's been fun now to have Kaylee be a part of that. Mm -hmm. you know, she's actually contributed some sketches and it's fun to write for her, you know, and direct her. I've kind of taken a step back from actually performing now sure. um, to, to more focus on, you know, producing basically and my writing, I'm, my writing, um, I'm writing different types of, not, you know, not just sketch comedy things, but now I'm, I'm experimenting with writing longer form short stories. Right now I'm taking a storytelling uh, workshop that's a lot of fun and there's some things from sketch comedy that i can incorporate into that but it's very long form you know it's basically a one-person show mm -hmm. uh, but you're telling real honest stories that have to do with parts of your life so that's it, that's, that's oh, a lot neat. of fun to work on that yeah but um so anyway so that's kind of where my focus went so it's fun to be able to turn some of the other things over you know to kaylee or to friends right mm -hmm. and right. so we continue on i'll still direct the the Christmas show, you know, because it's just, I've been doing it for so long. Right. It's, it's fun to do A, but B, I, I can find the shortcuts. Well, <laughs> you, <laughs> you built such a great company of great people that you can entrust that to as well, you know, including your daughter and great friends. And, mm -hmm. So that's really good. Absolutely. Um, um, Nathan Payne is a, a great example of somebody yep. that, that's been, it, Another nice thing about being able to do your own thing, you know, start your own theater company, is that folks can come to you and mm -hmm. say, I would like to do this, which is what yes. I, this is how, you know, oh. I started. Well, what do I want to do now? It's nice to be able to help people find what they want to do. And, and Nathan mm -hmm. wanted to do Evil Dead the musical. 
You know, Lisa wanted to do that. Lisa. Yeah. Evil Dead the musical, and nobody would touch it. And if you're familiar with that, it's um, it's a great musical. All genres of music are covered in there. You know, ballads, rock and roll. Um, but it's the Evil Dead horror movies. But mm-hmm. um, it's uh, they're written in a more comedic style. It's very big and broad and loud and scary uh, and funny. Um, it's and anyway, funny that it can be written in a more comedic. Yeah. Tone than it already is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's already like cult yeah. classic. Well, are, yeah, it is a little bit over the top already. But, so the yeah. music was like that. And so Nathan said, I've always wanted to do this play. A big part of the play is that um, uh, blood. There's blood, blood. everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. The actors get covered in blood. The audience gets covered in blood. Splash it's zone. Splash <laughs> zone. A lot they of theater companies in Duluth, understandably, told Nathan, no. No, we don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I thought, well, why not? That sounds fun. See, a lot of times I jump into these projects because I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> and we, sure, when sure. we jumped into that one, the first one we did was in 2009. And yep. it was so much fun. But we also learned a lot about stage blood <laughs> and how <laughs> you actually need two kinds of stage blood. You need the stage blood that you shoot out onto the audience that won't okay. stain their clothes. Okay. <laughs> Won't oh. make them angry, but they want yeah. to still be covered in blood. And you need a different kind of blood for actors on stage that so that it, you know it'll wash out later, but it has yeah. to sit there and look like real blood. And you learn these things. Actors that did that show had to learn how to um, sing and dance on a stage floor covered in slippery, slick blood in Act Two, um, and they did learn to do that. But um, it was a huge success, even though. We it cost a lot of money putting my producing hat on. Now there was a lot of money involved in putting that show on with the rights and the musicians and the the props and the costumes. But it was all worth it because it made its money back and was it was able to put some money into Rubber Chicken Theater's coffers after everybody else had been paid. To. In 2010, and it was also successful. Then we took a year off, then we did it in 2012, then we took a year off, and then we did it in 2014, and now we haven't done it since 2014. And now Nathan's talking about, and Nathan always played the lead because, again, he wanted yeah. to be in it. So I, the first one I directed, and he played the lead, and he was amazing. But now we're, you know, almost 10 years removed from the last time we've done it. Now we're talking again. Nathan would like to resurrect it. Of course. <laughs> And he wants to direct it, and that he would be fantastic. He doesn't want to play the lead anymore. Yeah, no, seems seems yeah. fitting that he fantastic. should go to the next level. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Lisa's but, in. She's totally down. Like, how can I'm she in. help? People <laughs> said the musical is so much fun. People still, you know, when Halloween rolls around, say, "Are you doing it again this year?" And we haven't He's done it in eight years. You know, so that's oh. how much people really enjoy that show. So it will be coming back sometime soon. Yes. Yeah, Lisa, I'm I'm so surprised that you didn't know about it back when they were doing. Maybe I don't know. I knew about it. I just never saw it. Okay, because yeah, they, after the first year, they even like weren't you guys encouraging people to wear bring white shirts if they were? Yeah, paying that's what we, we found after that yeah. first year. Actually, yep. Actually, focus a specific part of the audience. Call it the splatter zone and make it the first yeah. two rows because. Some people came and surprisingly didn't want to get splattered in blood. So what? Now we have a specific. Who knew? Yeah. But then also the interesting thing to learn was that people are willing to pay a little bit more to be splashed with blood. So now we make the splatter zone. The tickets are more expensive and you make it a point to splash them. Find ways to get them covered in goo. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, and, I mean, uh, it makes them feel important and part of the yep, process yep. and part of the whole show. And yep, that's part of the fun of that show. <sighs> yep, what I liked about being part of that theater community, being one of Nathan's friends, one of your friends, and just, I was never part of the production. I think I auditioned for it one year when Greg Anderson was directing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, it, I'm like, it wasn't really my style. So I don't think it gave a really good audition. I just went to audition. And, uh, but, I loved that it was such a tradition amongst the theater people to see. It was just like for the ballet, you have the Nutcracker. For mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have all these traditions all over. For for like comedy theater groups, you have things like oh, let's focus our attention to this Halloween like cult yeah. classic campy musical. Yeah. I'd do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then the sketch comedy shows are also our our, yes. our crackers. We always do them, and those are fun to do because their audiences love them. It's for folks who don't know either. They're basically local versions of like Saturday Night Live. So we don't make fun with things in the news nationally so much, but we do local news, regional news, you know, so things. So, for instance, this year, we're going to have a lot of fun with the Two Harbors mayor. You know, yeah. all that stuff about an underwater hotel and the things he was doing, if your listeners are familiar with that. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. yes. It was crazy. And yes. of course, all that news broke after our christmas show closed last year broke in january so i couldn't so, we couldn't have any fun with it so but you got to build up all this year <laughs> we're going to remind people that it happened but yeah we so we do sketches uh, um you know kind of poke fun at stuff in the news and 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 people like it you know there's not another theater company that's doing that so and that's a format they enjoy and so you know well, they've been around like i said they colder brought them to this market in 1984 and we've been well, doing that, it ever since and that i'm sorry just but that brings in the uh, the fact that yes you produce like evil dead the musical and others you know pre like uh you know other written things that are already pre-owned and stuff but most of the time what you try to make sure that's produced is focusing on the local artists local writers local actors to feature original works and that's what's mm-hmm. the most inspiring i find from you too is really trying to make sure you're focusing that yeah it's really nice to be able to hop out for that opportunity and folks with with the hat plays mm-hmm. um with the sketch comedy shows yeah we write them ourselves so people have a chance to to yeah create something um that's unique to them mm-hmm. and you know we still do the scripted comedies because they're scripted plays that have a lot of that are silly but also have like the neil simon shows but there's also right. shows like the christopher durang shows or other shows that have some some bite to them and some heft to yeah with, without to those do. we wouldn't be inspired to create yeah. the new stuff yeah. absolutely so yeah it's nice to be able to just do all of that and the freedom of having your own theater company yes <laughs> yes um yeah. and so yeah i really uh it's been a pretty good ride i've had a fun time right so one last thing to just kind of do that we kind of kind of ask everyone because we kind of still don't know. We're just kind of curious. What what do you want to be when you grow up, Brian? <laughs> uh, I want to be a responsible adult. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I remember I have a distinct memory of wanting to be a forest ranger. And I okay. don't know why. I just, you know, well, I guess I kind of know why. I really enjoyed nature. And when I was a kid, you know, I lived out in the country. So you know, I would take off on my bike on a weekend for hours and go out somewhere or walking through the woods. And I just really enjoyed that. I thought, so I thought being a forest ranger would be fun. I also, other people around not to bug me, that would be perfect. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all alone. But then obviously, um, uh, I started to realize that other people were okay. <laughs> and it was actually fun to collaborate. That's one of the nice things about theater is, you know, even one person shows, there's collaboration with directors, designers, tech people, you know, all, a lot of people. Collaboration is, is fun and is good. And so, um, but yeah, maybe when I grow up uh, and I'm done with theater, maybe I'll go back and be a forest ranger because I still like the woods. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> I like right. that. So thank you again, Brian, for joining us. It was such a treat to have you here and get to know. I mean, I learned a lot more about you than I ever really did know. And it only it probably only reinforced what I already really enjoyed to know about you. Well, good. Thanks. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And Lisa, awesome. anything? I'm I'm just super excited to be able to hear all of this. It just makes me want to do more theater stuff. Yeah, I didn't know that I wanted to do it until I did it, and now <laughs> I'm like, that was so much fun. I want to do it more. So thank you so much for um, telling me your story, telling us your story, and kind of giving me the the bug. You bet. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity. I'm, I'm slowly grooming her. <laughs> It's taken many years, but it's finally working. <laughs> it was fantastic in the chicken hat plays. You both are always. everybody thank you again for stopping by to listen to growing up with aaron and being this special episode growing up with brian matusek uh we really want to thank brian for taking out time in his day to you know chat with us and give us some of that story uh there's so much more that he could tell we had so little time to be able to talk but i'm sure we could have done so much more uh i promise we will try to get him back on again so we can talk even more uh but don't forget to check out any of rubber chickens works all going on in the twin ports at spontaneous times but for sure like he mentioned they will be having their holiday review as they do every year um i think i mentioned that they always have some really fun name to it all the time it's just so ridiculously weird but it's always such a catchy name so please pay attention to that all the links for rubber chicken for he mentioned Y Spool uh, Theater, which is a good friend of ours. Uh, I'll put links to all of those connections so that you can learn more information about all the other projects and all the other companies that Brian has worked with. Uh, so please check us out on Facebook, follow us, subscribe, like, and keep listening because we'll be back for more. But until then, we'll talk to you later. Bye.